Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Song Capture Podcast. I'm Chris Clayton. I'm your host. So glad you've taken time out of your schedule to join us for another podcast and a great podcast at that. On today's show, we have Hope Darst. And we talk about the song, Peace Be Still. But more than that, we unpack so many great things about writing for the church. Hope is a wealth of knowledge and very passionate about writing for the church. We talk about everything from uh, the posture of generosity as a songwriter. I'll let her unpack all that. And also we talk about giving yourself permission to be a bad songwriter. And I know a lot of you are going, that's me. And that's okay. We're going to talk about that more here on the show today. If you would, would you go over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast? The reason I ask this is because it gets us in front of more listeners, which gives us more impact in the songwriting community for the church. So please take a minute, head over to iTunes, wherever you listen to music, give us a positive rating and review. We would love that. Hope you're enjoying the show. We love doing this. Before we get into the conversation, let me encourage you once again to go over to mysongcapture.com. That's mysongcapture.com. If you're new to our show, we are a demo production service for the worship songwriter. So maybe you're a worship pastor or a worship songwriter. You need a great demo for a song you've written to show you your worship team or to pitch out there. We'd love for you to check out the demo packages on our site. You can use the promo code TAKE10, that's T-A-K-E, the number 10, and you can save 10% off your very first demo. All right, like I said, lots of information we're going to dissect and get into today. So let's get into it. Here's my interview with Hope Darst. Hey, Hope, how are you doing? So good. Let's not fake it anymore. We've been talking for about 10 minutes before we hit the I mean, the it's red. true. We it's, have. We've been talking been, all things life and kids been, and 2020. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we love it. It's, it's, been, it's been fun. So, But I'm so and glad I, to have you on. And, uh, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'll just jump right into it because there's a lot I want to talk about today. Okay, but, I love uh, it. Let's do it. I, yeah. And I know you got a lot on your heart to share. And um, <laughs> I would love... I would love to hear about your family first. Tell me about your family. Oh, I love my family. <laughs> well, I just celebrated 15 years of marriage last week. Congrats. Uh, last week. I don't know the weeks anymore, but it was yeah. August 26th. Okay. 15 years to my husband, David. We were just talking about he's a Texas boy. Yes. Um, and I love him. He, we are complete opposite. We could <laughs> not be more opposite. Like if you're on, and you know anything about like Enneagram, like he's a one. Yep. Um, I'm a four. Okay. Uh, so we are very, very different. Um, he's like an entrepreneur. He's a, a technological and electrical and electrical engineer. Okay. And like, so he runs like an electrical company. We have like a mechanical engineering company. We have like, he has like, um, an excavating business, Man. He's in like commercial and residential real estate. Like we just, our worlds do not cross like professionally at all. And so it's been such a really cool thing to have, to be married to someone whose strengths are so different than mine. Yeah. Like, we are so different, but that actually is the beauty of like our relationship. And we've been doing it for 15 years now. And I just, I'm really grateful for him. He's yeah. so steady. He's such a steady personality. Like he really is meekness, like strength under control. Mm-hmm. And is just so wise. He's not a man of a lot of words, but he is very funny when he talks and he just has a lot of wisdom. And I, he's been actually the greatest champion of, me and pursuing the stream even more than myself. Like he, from the very get go was like, there is more, you have more capacity than you believe you do. And yet he never like would force me into this journey, but he always encouraged me that if I ever felt like I wanted to step into it, that he was like, 
you've got my full support. And and he pays the bills because let's be honest. <laughs> let's just get <laughs> honest here, right? He has an actual steady paycheck. Ah, uh, you know, yeah. us songwriters, it's not always in the most steady gig, but yes. And then we have two daughters, okay. Olivia in sixth grade. And Brooklyn is in the fourth grade and there are little miracle babies. We, about three and a half years into marriage, um, we started to realize we had some infertility issues and the doctors actually said to us, like, you have less than a 3% chance of even the most aggressive infertility treatments working. Mm. Like we just, they were like, you're not even a good candidate for infertility or all of, you know, the process. And, and I remember that just being like such a, uh, you know, it's such a moment of, whoa, we didn't see that coming. And yet I just felt like really quickly into the process, the Lord, like just put this promise in my heart. He's like, you will be a mother and David will be a father. And there was no like definition to that. Mm. Like I didn't know how that would happen. I didn't know if that would happen through adoption or yeah. infertility treatments or natural. Like I just held on to God's promise that I would mother and David would father. And lo and behold, we ended up naturally getting getting pregnant about mm. a year later into the process. And, and then literally a year later, we had our second daughter. And awesome. so we've just, we're, they really truly are our little miracle babies and we're so grateful for them. They're very different. My oldest is very much like my husband. My youngest <laughs> is very much like me. <laughs> it tends to happen that way. Yeah. I know. Isn't that so, I mean, yeah. they're definitely their own personalities, but you can see like bits in them where our oldest, she's very analytical, mathematical, like, loves math, loves science. Yeah. And my younger one is just like, she's always somewhere in a costume and she's a unicorn and she's singing songs <laughs> and, you know, I mean, so, um, they really are, they're the greatest accomplishment of my life. Um, yeah. they're the, they're the thing that I live the most for in the sense of, um, obviously Jesus is the thing that I'm, my heart is after the most, but right after that, it is having like a really healthy family and having yeah. a healthy marriage. I come from, uh, my parents were divorced mm-hmm. and they divorced really late in life, which mm. was really, really hard and really complicated. Um, and so, you know, kind of part of like part of my journey, part of why I'm even here is because after many, many years of my own journey of being really broken and having to like go through my own journey of like, being saved, but not being free, uh-huh. um, which are not exclusively like yes. happen at the same time. You uh-huh. can get saved and still not actually have freedom in Christ. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a lot of my journey from like 19 to 33 was, you know, having to walk out, like, what does it mean to actually find freedom? And it wasn't until in my kind of like, I had two phases of freedom, if that makes sense. Like yeah. at 19, I had to like come to terms with I'm saved but Jesus isn't my Lord. And so like, Mm. I had to really make a decision at 19 to like put my whole heart into loving Jesus. Like decisions are made to honor him. My life, I'm living it in a way that like he gets to actually be the master. And that was 19 to 33. But at 33, I had to start to recognize that like, okay, I love Jesus. I'm faithful in my marriage. I'm Mm. on staff at a church. I'm leading worship. I'm in my calling. I've, I've walked away from pursuing being an artist because Jesus has asked me to do that. And so yeah. because of that commitment at 19, like I've allowed God to kind of redirect my footsteps and change plans that I thought would look one way. 
But at 33, I woke up and I, my parents were going through a divorce. Like I was saying, mm-hmm. I had postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling with fear and insecurity and anxiety and stress. And I wasn't managing it well, but I'm on staff at a church and I love Jesus and I love God and I love my family and I'm not healthy. Like I'm not actually like my heart's not healthy. My mind's not healthy. And I had to really confront that issue of, okay, I'm saved, but I'm not free. And from 33 to basically now has been this real journey of going, I actually want to be healthy in Christ more than I want anything else. And everything else is on the, everything is on the chopping block if it doesn't lead to that. And it changed the course of my life because it meant I ended up coming off staff as a worship leader in 2013. I stopped Mm. traveling. I was leading like worship conferences all over the country, leading worship for conferences and women's Uh events, different things, raising two small children. You know, I was, I was actually making a record at that time in Mm. 2013. And as I was discovering like, heart like there's just wounds here there's there's patterns of thinking there's patterns of reacting there's patterns of just like that are not lining up with what god calls an abundant life Mm. or what even god calls the fruits of the spirit like honestly like i was not dealing with made i wasn't dealing with like these major external sins i was dealing with internal weaknesses and strongholds honestly And so basically what happened was in 2013, I came off staff, I made all these changes because I wanted to have a healthy family. And I wanted yeah. to have, a, I knew that being able to have a healthy family and having a healthy marriage might mean that I have to walk away from some dreams and walk away from some pursuits professionally and artistically that were satisfying my ego, but weren't actually building a life that's sustainable and ma- building parenting and marriaging so I'm not giving you the really long answer, no, but it's good. a huge part of who I am. Yeah. And it's a huge part, I think, of of how even now at 39, I turned 40 in December, I'm having to navigate this road as, mm-hmm. a, as a mom, as a wife, as a worship leader, now as a recording artist, mm-hmm. but always going back to like, these are the fundamentals, like Jesus and then family. And if those get out of whack, it, it hasn't really not a lot's changed. Like everything's on the chopping block still. Right. Right. You know? that's good. So that's kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of who I am. And, and yeah. the songs off this record were birthed in those years yeah. of having to walk out. Like, what does it look like to have to find freedom sure. in areas that I've been ignoring? I mean, yeah. that's where Peace Be still came from, was dealing yeah. with fear, dealing with insecurity, dealing For with sure. lack of identity. And how do you confront that? Well, as a worship leader, I confronted it by writing a song that would allow me to actually put into practice the confession that I needed to say to shift the atmosphere of my mind and my heart. Sure. Um, so. so talk talk about that a little uh, as far as the, the the your hopes heart for writing for the church because yeah. obviously the new record has got a ton of songs that are for the local church to to kind of graft into their body and kind yes. of use. So talk about maybe as you as you wrote the record over the, that time period, yeah. kind of what was there kind of this North Star you're pushing towards, but more than that, like kind of what you could have gone the pop route, you could have done anything, but what <laughs> what gave you the, I mean, what, what drives you to write for the church? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I think has been the personal journey that I've had that like so much freedom in my life and so much healing in my life has actually happened in 
congregational worship settings. You know, when I made that massive shift in 2013 to come off staff at our church and to stop traveling, um, I ended up in a basement of some friends Mm. who were just honestly like getting together to pursue the presence of God and allow God to just do whatever he wanted in the room. That eventually turned into the belonging company, which my family and I are a part of, and I'm a part of the worship team there. But because of what happened in that basement, it did something in my heart and in my life where I was like, wait a minute, you mean that like God can speak to me in the middle of worship in such a profound way that it begins to untie knots that are in my brain, knots that are in my heart, knots that are in my thinking and the way that I operate in my actual real life. Mm -hmm. And I would experience in the moments of worship where the presence of God was so thick that I could sense God really coming in in a really gentle way, addressing things. Like there was this one particular time, I just remember sitting, I was just sitting in, they were leading worship. I'm just sitting in the back of the room and I'm just quiet. I'm just on my knees. My hands are up. I'm just in a posture of just like, I just want whatever you want. And I just felt like God just began to speak to this place in my life where I was, I was really dealing with a lot of anger. Like I would just have reactions out of anger towards my husband, towards my children. And I remember the, just feeling like the Lord was like, hope, I, I want to show you where the root of that is. It's really stemmed in some, some moments from your childhood where you bought into a lie that you are not good enough, you're not smart enough, and you're not capable enough. And now at 33, when you're having these moments, it's triggering it. It's, it's like someone pushing on that wound And until we heal that wound, you're going to consistently react the same way. And I would just have moments like this over and over and over. And I would just be like, okay, well, Jesus, I don't want to react this way. Mm. I feel shame when I act in anger. And I know it's not an attribute of your character. And I'm meant to look like you. And, And anger in and of itself is not sin. But when anger turns into behavior that becomes hurtful or reactionary or it's stemmed out of something that's gone unhealed, it can become sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that became such a pivotal way that God began to move in my life. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, it's impacted how I lead worship and how I write mm-hmm. songs for the church. I am so passionate about allowing there to be songs that do two things. One, they magnify and they glorify God. Because when we magnify him, he gets bigger than the thing that we are dealing with in our own mind and our own heart. And when you make him bigger, it's hard for those things to stay really big and in the forefront of your mind. And two, I think worship is both, it's like this beautiful marriage of revelation and confession. You are, I'm writing songs out of like deep, experiences with the Lord, intimacy with the Lord, revelation that I'm kind of experiencing through his word, through my quiet time, through moments like that in a basement where I'm getting set free from anger. I'm getting set free from rejection. And so I'm approaching these songs from one who I actually really believe God is that's rooted in his word, but giving it language that becomes a 
like almost like a confession and a weapon for people in whatever season they're in. Yeah. That just like where the scripture says, like out of the heart or out of, you know, the tongue has the power of life and death. Yes. And out of the heart are the issues of life, right? Right. So what we sing, we can actually sing ourselves out of one place and into another place by confessing the promises of God, by allowing our spirit to sing something basically where you're, prophesying it over your heart and your mind where it's like when we wrote peace be still like i said i'm dealing with fear i don't feel peace in the moment i don't feel like all this faith i feel the opposite of that Mm -hmm. but i know what god's word says so i'm going to sing something that's anchored in his word not anchored in my feelings that feel true, but aren't actually truth. And I'm going to sing this thing until something shifts. Either it shifts in my mind, it shifts in my heart, or it shifts in the natural. Like, yeah. all, And sometimes it's all three. And sometimes it's just one or a combination of it. Right. And that's really the heartbeat of who I am as a worship leader, as a songwriter. I'm... I'm really one who's like, I'm going after the atmosphere of wherever we are. And I'm going after creating a space where people can feel safe enough to be vulnerable and safe enough to honestly just allow themselves to lean into the presence of God and allow him to do whatever work needs to be done, whatever heart surgery needs to be done, whatever restoration needs to be done, whatever healing needs to be done, because I have experienced that Jesus really does change everything. And Mm. when we get into the presence of God, and here's the thing, the presence of God, some people ask, what is that? Well, here's what we know is that because of Jesus's death and resurrection, he tore the veil Mm -hmm. that was part of the tabernacle and part of the covenant in the Old Testament, which is where the presence of God dwelled. And the priests would go in and they would go in and they would bring their sacrifice and they would get to be in the presence of God. Well, when Jesus died on the cross and tore the veil in two, what he did was he made access for you and me Mm -hmm. because he calls us now priests, Mm -hmm. right? So we are now the priesthood of Christ. So we now have access through the blood of Jesus Christ to go into the presence of God wherever we are. Now his presence dwells with us everywhere through the Holy Spirit. So we have unlimited access to the presence of God to be with him and allow him to do whatever work of reconciliation, redemption, and restoration he does. And our sacrifice now is praise. Yeah. Our sacrifice in the Old Testament so was an animal. It was it was different things, but now our offering is praise and thanksgiving. And so that is what happens when you get into places of worship, whether it's individually or corporately, you are experiencing the presence of God in a way that is so tangible that we get a taste of heaven on earth. Yeah. And so I'm like just really passionate about creating songs and writing songs that aren't just, hey, this is a pretty song. Like I'm actually kind of a little bit of a, you know, I got a little bit of a fire in me. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually going to go to battle a little bit yeah. for you and for me. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's part of the pastoral role that we carry as, yes. as worship yes. pastors, but not only that. So I think it's for, this is something I, I've been thinking a lot about is you may not, for, for people that are listening, you may not be on staff at a church. Now we have a lot of listeners who are worship pastors who write for their church and, yes. and who write songs, but maybe you're in some kind of lay role that you just, you know, you write, you and, but you pastor people with, with your songs. 
Yes, and you do. You, you give them, you give them lyric and melody to carry throughout the rest of the week. I, I've always called it portable theology. Yeah. So it's we, like, we, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, our, our pastor, you know, you've got Alex and Henry and I've got Charlie, right. who's my pastor, you know, they, 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 they labor over their, their messages every week, but mm-hmm. they're going to remember songs a lot, a lot more than they are going to remember messages. Yeah. And that's not <laughs> to take away from the sermons, but that's just <laughs> four minute, little four to five minute songs are a lot more easier to, to remember, recall, and remember hope yes. and, and, and peace and all those things in, in a situation. I also think you just hit on something that is so important. One, I am, completely in agreement with you that I think worship leaders of any sort, whether you are standing on the platform as a, you know, a a backing vocalist, whether Mm -hmm. you're the musician, whether you are in a choir, whether you are the one with a microphone or not, that's not what a microphone doesn't make you a worship leader. Right. That just happens to be the instrument that that person gets to use. My instrument is my voice. I wish it was piano or guitar, anything (laughs) else, (laughs) but it just happens to be my voice. So, so being a worship leader is not because you're in the front and you're singing because I, there are people on our team that lead and they're the drummer. They lead and they're the keyboardist. Like it, they're, they lead and they're the sound engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you lead from your heart and you lead from what motivates you, mm-hmm. not from what your skill set is. And I do think it is massively important for this generation to really understand that being a worship leader at its very core is being a pastor. Yeah. And if you are not motivated the most by loving Jesus and loving his people mm-hmm. and wanting to see his people be restored and be healed and be set free, then just go be an artist. Yeah. Yes. Like honestly, and there's no criticism in no, that. But if the all. thing is that's driving you is that you want to be a songwriter and you want to be a sing a singer, then being a worship leader and a worship pastor is not the calling on your life. Right. Because the calling on our life is actually to shepherd people into the truth of who God is through the songs that we write and we sing. Yeah. Also why your theology needs to be rooted in the word of God and not just your feelings. Oh, so good. Yes. I mean, when we were writing this record, even Peace Be Still, obviously the the verses are very much acknowledging what we're feeling, Mm -hmm. but it was so important to us. And it was so important to me in this whole record that we wrote this tension of vulnerability in the songs that are honest, but always within language that is biblically sound and leads to the reality of the only way this thing turns around is through Jesus. Mm. And not in a cookie cutter way of just like, well, just hold on and have hope. I'm talking like, let's get down into the ditches. Let's actually talk about what we deal with. We deal with fear. We deal with disappointment. We deal with rejection. We deal with loss and grief. We deal with unanswered questions that we don't understand. Let's not shy away from it. I mean, my goodness, the the hymns of old, they were not scared to talk about the actual struggle of life, right? Yeah. But it was always anchored in the hope of Jesus. And I think this generation needs to really make sure they are not anchoring themselves in feelings. Yeah. That's that funny. they're anchoring themselves in the truth of God's word. That's funny you, you mentioned that because I was looking over some notes. I'm teaching a class on songwriting next month. And um, I wrote in some notes, I don't, even know, I don't remember writing this, but I wrote in a note that, that said, um, every song should point back to the gospel in some yep. form or fashion. So, yeah. And so what I mean by that, I mean that every song may not spell out the cross story, 
Right. But the gospel is about redemption. The yes. gospel is about rescue. The gospel is about how Jesus overcame death, yes. sin, and in the grave yes. and to give us, to take us, you know, if, if that we have luck, authority, that we've yes. been set free, that we actually have, we have an inheritance through Jesus Christ, that right. we are actually the head and not the tail. We actually are the overcomer. We're not like, it doesn't mean that you've, feel that way right now. Right. It doesn't mean that that is the truth that you're living in or living mm-hmm. out, but it is still the truth. And you know, mm-hmm. my whole record, like you said, there's some songs on the record that are very corporate yeah. and overtly corporate. Sure. And then there's some songs that aren't. Like the very last song on the record is called Start Over. It's the most vulnerable song on the record, but at its very essence is the gospel. Yeah. It's literally saying that with Christ, like when we surrender and we let everything go with Jesus, we are allowed to start over again. That there's no, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how broken you might feel, Mm -hmm. you always can start over with Jesus, which is the message of grace and mercy. Like that's, it's at the very essence. And so, yeah, it doesn't mean you don't get to be creative. It doesn't mean that you don't get to use language and poetry and imagery in your songwriting. It just means that you have an accountability to make sure that what you are saying pastors people into the truth of who Jesus is and not the trueness of what you're feeling in that moment, because feelings are a terrible leader. They will lead you astray very quickly and they will lie to you. Feelings Mm -hmm. lie all the time. Um, It's why, you know, peace be still is the, the acknowledgement of fear, the acknowledgement of disappointment in the verses but then it is flipping it in the chorus and the bridge to go, yeah. but this is the truth of God's word. And this is what he says over me. This is what he is calling me to, to let faith rise up in this moment and to not let fear drown me, to not let disappointment drown me, um, which is all of us face that. Like yeah. that's not, that's not, that's a universal thing that we're all dealing with in various yeah. seasons of our life. Yeah. So. Look, I, I want to, I want to talk maybe more nuts and bolts of songwriting and how you, okay. how you approach it a little bit. Yeah. But, I, but some of the things you've mentioned so far, you know, the, themes and and just all that we've talked about so far up until now. So one thing we talk a lot about on the podcast is collaboration as a songwriter. So I love co- collaboration. Yeah, co-writing, you know, the idea of how, how you get into a room and you begin to flesh out ideas with, with possibly people you've never met before in your entire life. And that the, has and, happened, yes. Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time with me that I get stuck in a room with people I've never met and I'm supposed yeah. to be vulnerable and write a song. <laughs> and, or or if I'm with an artist writing a song for them Her, or with yeah. them, hearing them be, be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to know, so all that you just talked about, which is, I mean, how did how do you approach songwriting and getting in a room with somebody and going, okay, here's my ideas, yeah. and then letting them pour into it? Yeah. You know, how does that work for you? Well, I I feel like for myself, like I only dabbled in songwriting like a little bit here and there prior to like 2015. It was yeah. not something that like I did on a regular basis or that I was even pursuing, yeah. right? So, so for me, where I like really had to like, you know, go to boot camp, if you will, you know, and like yeah. really work out the muscles of songwriting. I did within the community of my local church. Mm-hmm. I also was very fortunate that a lot of the people that are in that community were really seasoned songwriters. Yeah. So I was I kind of like, it's almost like, cause I got started much later in life doing this. It's almost like God kind of threw, honestly threw me into the deep end of the pool and just said, swim. 
Like mm. they're not going to let you drown, but you're going to feel like you're drowning for a good long while before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before you, you can doggy paddle. And I really did feel that. I mean, the reality is like, I would go into rooms very, very aware. I am the weakest link in this room. Sure. Like I'm literally sitting in a room with people that have been riding for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't have that in my skill set. So very quickly, I learned I can't bring skill set into this room. That is actually not what I'm actually going to be able to bring to the table. And so what I started to learn that I could bring to the table was vulnerability and honesty. And I could bring in, because I'm I, a lot of times when I lead worship, I move in the prophetic. And so I'll, I'll allow space and I'll be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And I'll just kind of sing what I hear and sing what I'm sensing that God's doing or saying in the room. And I learned doing that, like, I just would say language that felt normal to me. Like I wasn't trying to be pretty or rhymy or any of those kinds of things. I was just saying what was true in the moment. And so what I learned was to bring that into the room was the most honest and authentic part of who I was. And I could trust the more seasoned songwriters to then kind of pick and pull from that and be able to like go, okay, well, let's kind of this feels true. That doesn't feel true. That doesn't make sense. I did, I couldn't, I don't, I still don't really understand song writing math. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of learning it. Right. Yeah. But that wasn't, I couldn't bring that to the room. Right. So there was a lot that I couldn't bring to the room, but I could bring honesty. I could mm. bring experience. I could bring, I could bring 25, 30 years of walking with the Lord and go, I know this is true of who God is. But I leaned into the, I'll say this, I leaned into the community that I was in. I want to say this to a couple, a couple things to songwriters and to like people who are maybe you're in your church, you don't live in Nashville where you're around amazing songwriters, you know, you're, you're serving at your church in you know, Ohio and you don't know anyone. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Well, first Mm -hmm. of all, I think you always have to ask yourself, why do you want to do it? Like, is it actually something God's calling you to do? Or is it something that you're pursuing because it looks shiny and successful? Um, And making sure you get that really settled in your heart first. Um, Because I think if you're pursuing things because they just feel like they look successful, that can get you in a real trap and can kind of get you on a path that you're not meant to be on. Mm. Um, But if you're really passionate and you feel like this is really something that God's called you to do, and I would say, start doing it where you are. Yeah, Actually get people in your community and start to create the discipline of just showing up. Because mm. so much of songwriting is showing up and being willing to show up with anyone. It's not showing up with the best of the best. It's being able to show up right where you are and begin to work that muscle out of just yeah. getting in the room and flushing out ideas. Because one of the things I learned really fast was, to be a great songwriter or to even be a songwriter. Let's just start with that. To be yeah. a songwriter. Yeah. You have to be willing to be bad. Mm-hmm. That's good. You have to be willing to be bad. Yeah. You will never get great until you're bad first. Yeah. It's just, it is part of the journey of songwriting. Like you have to be a bad songwriter yeah. in order for you to know that it's bad and that it could be better. Well, and I think when you're in community, it's be, be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to let people speak into it. Be willing for someone to say to you, that is not a great song. Right. <laughs> because if the fire is in you and the calling is in you, that will light something in you to then pursue going after it more and working on your craft more in the hidden place where no one is looking. I did not become a songwriter 
in front of the masses. I became right. a songwriter hidden in my church community, writing for my life and for my church and nothing else. Yeah. God chose to take it beyond those walls. Yeah. I wasn't pursuing that. I was just being faithful where I was. Mm-hmm. And I think you cannot discredit that that seed of faithfulness and showing up and doing it where you are. Yeah. God can do so much with that. It's it's literally the picture of David. David was a faithful shepherd in the middle of a pasture where no one could see him, no one was looking, but he was showing up every single day, being faithful to love and serve and take care of the sheep that he was with. And God was like, I can promote that because you actually care about where you're at. So I know that every step along the way, you'll care about the community that I have you in and the task that I've put before you. And you won't be worried about, oh, let me go do all the shiny stuff. You'll be willing to be in the pasture Mm. doing the humility, the the faithful work that is rooted in humility. so. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so many things I want to talk about with you just said, I love it. I love everything. You're just, man, this is amazing. Um, I love, I love what you said about, um, you know, well, one, let me back, back up a minute. So the, okay. the, the idea of, of writing songs, I've learned this from watching other songwriters in the room of some of the, some of the best songwriters in town that I've met and written with are great question askers. Yes. So like they, because so many writers come in thinking they have to have, especially in worship world, they have to have worship, you know, a worship language that they start just, you know, writing songs using certain vernacular. Yeah. But I've learned that the best songwriters in town will just literally pour a cup of coffee or get a a bottle of water and just start talking. And next thing you know, that artist or other writers, they're talking out the songs in very fresh language. And, and you've got, and you've got guys and gals who are literally kind of making brain notes about what you just said. Mm -hmm. You may be talking about the faithfulness of God, but you said it in a fresh language. That's not the same. I would, I would also say for me, well, okay. So I don't just write for myself. I yeah. didn't I didn't start really digging into this writing for me. I was writing for my church, right? Mm-hmm. So I was writing with the process of I don't know who will sing this song. Yeah. It wasn't a guarantee that I was going to be the one singing the song. So I was having to think about it from a much broader perspective. Mm-hmm. I also write for other people. Yeah. I'm not someone who just writes for myself. Right. Um and so that also changes how you approach the room. Yeah. I think one of the you're hitting on one of the biggest things about being a songwriter is the songwriting part is sometimes the smallest percentage of what mm. you're actually doing in the room. Yeah, I lo- I've had to learn that like, do you know how to be in the room? Yep. Being yep. in the room is the biggest part of it. It's being able to read the atmosphere. Like is today actually like, we just need to sit here and chat and drink yep. coffee. And that's okay. It's, and that's okay. Yes. Like I think one of the, one of the ch- the challenges is being able to go like, th- and it, this is where I think as believers, we have to be willing to go into room and go, what is my assignment today? Mm-hmm. Is my assignment just to show up and love on the person that I'm with? Is my assignment to help them flush out an idea? Is my assignment to come in and be the lyricist? Is it my assignment to come in and be a prayer warrior? Is it my, like my role changes depending on the room and my sensitivity to what God is saying in that moment and in that, in that particular combination of people, because it does change from, from setting to setting and goal to goal. And knowing that like, if you're going into the writing room, 
no matter what writing that room that is. Okay. So this is for all of you songwriters that are doing this for yourself, for your worship teams, for artists, for whatever. If your only goal is to leave with a song, you're going to find that you don't have a, a high success rate. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I've said this before on the show, the relationships that you have way so out value the song, the song. It's, it's so much more important. I yeah. can honestly say my favorite songs that I've written and the songs that I think have had some of the biggest impact have been the songs that we probably spent three or four hours actually just talking and yeah. pouring our hearts out and yeah. not, not sitting there being that person that's like, hey, but we need to write, we need to write, we need to write. And it doesn't mean that there aren't days that you don't approach it that way. Right. But the days where we allowed there to be space and room, um, they have turned out to be some of my most favorite and impactful songs. Yeah. She's still was written that way. Yeah. Like Love Like This was written that way. Um, Start Over was written that mm. way. Uh, you know, because we didn't rush the process. But I also can tell you, like, I'm a mom, right? So... I also, a lot of times I'm like, I'm getting kids dropped off at 8 a.m. And then I'm getting into the writing room at 10 a.m. And I have till two o'clock. And there have been so many days where I've had to go, Holy Spirit, I have to trust you that you can multiply this small amount of time that I'm limited in, but you can make the best of it. And it has been amazing. The days that I would, we would sit and we'd be talking and talking and talking. And then in the very last hour, yeah. The song would come together. Yeah. And and that's where you you have to really live this songwriter life with open hands and a lot of trust, but balanced with discipline and mm-hmm. showing up and being mm-hmm. prepared. I mean, like this afternoon, for example, I'm going to write at three, but it's like something that we've an idea and 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 a lot of the song is mostly written already, but we're gonna go and we're gonna, even though we kind of know what it's supposed to be, I know the crew that I'm going with, like we'll still give ourselves space yeah. and, and time to be like, Hey, we know what we think it's supposed to be, but let's at least be aware and sensitive enough that it could go somewhere that we didn't anticipate. Yeah. Cause otherwise it gets so mechanical. It, like, oh, it's, become yeah. so me- it's become so mechanical that you lose, you have creativity, but there's no heart behind the creativity. There's no heart. And I, I think as mus- listeners of music, we know. Yeah. We know when there's heart behind it and we know when there isn't. Absolutely. We feel it. We might not be able to articulate it, but we just know when it was phoned in. And honestly, those songs usually don't go anywhere. No, they don't. It's very rare. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned this and I I, I love this that you mentioned it, that give yourself permission to be bad. You know, so, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, young songwriters and whatnot that, you know, I'll use Tomlin as an example, but Tomlin's written so many great songs for the church, right? But here, there's hundreds of songs that we'll never know or hear yeah. that, that are bad, he would call bad songs yeah. that, that, that it took to get to the how great is our gods and if our you, gods. If you aren't willing to be a bad songwriter, yeah. this is probably not the path for you. Yeah. yeah, Because the percentage of good songs is going to be really small. Yeah. And the percentage of great songs is going to be even smaller. Mm-hmm. And the percentage of God songs, uh, you don't, I mean, hopefully we we each get to tap into a God song yeah. of our lives that does so much more than we ever dreamed and goes beyond. Like, that's not like, but if your goal is, I just want to be a great songwriter. I want to be a great songwriter. I want to be a great songwriter. You're going to get frustrated. And if yep. you're not willing to be bad, 
Mm-hmm. You don't ever develop the muscles that you actually need to, yeah. to show up and do what we were just talking about, be able to read the room, mm-hmm. be able to actually be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing and what God's asking you in that moment. Yeah. And actually having a vision that's greater than just yourself. Yeah. Because otherwise then it becomes ego and it becomes you having to sustain this gift and this talent and quite frankly, like, I don't want to be the one that is sustaining this thing. Like, yeah. because my, I'm going to have limitations. I actually want this thing to be sustained by God who is limitless in ideas, who's limitless in, in creativity and pouring out. I also think one of the things I've had to learn really the hard way um, is one of the greatest characteristics I think of a songwriter is generosity. Mm you can quickly become a songwriter that operates in a, in a poverty spirit, um, which will get you in a trap of everything is my last great thing. So I have to hold on to this for dear life and mm. I can't share it and I can't give it away and I can't let anybody else be a part of it. It's just wow. mine because you're so fearful that that's your greatest thing. That's your greatest song, your greatest moment. It's, it's your thing that's gonna break you. It's your thing that's gonna make you known And that is such a trap because what that ends up doing is it it causes you to be tight fisted and it causes you to not recognize that like actually the heart of God is generosity Mm. to actually hold things loosely and hand things off (laughs) and being willing to just be generous with your time, be generous with your talent, be generous with your songs. I've given songs away more than I've actually carried some of the songs. And early on, that was really hard. Like, because I did, I struggled with like, but what if I never write another great song? Mm -hmm. And I just handed that off for someone else to carry it. Like, and having to deal with that and and deal with, whoa, yeah, am I actually doing this? Because I just want to be seen and I want to be known. Or do I actually want God to be seen and God to be known. Yeah, that's funny you say that because on my notes, I wanted to ask you about your kind of your thoughts on songs aren't precious, so hold on loosely to them. You have to hold on. It, it can, I think personally, it is one of the greatest um, Achilles heels mm-hmm. for artists and songwriters. Well, they find and their identity in their songs. You find your identity in your songs. Not, that's you not how God created You find your validation in your songs. And this is what will get you in a cycle of insecurity and, and wrong and wrong identity and fear of man, right? Because then it means if everyone loves the song, you're doing great. But what if they don't love the song? Then yeah. you're not great and you're not, mm-hmm. and, and you don't have a top song. So that means you're not a great songwriter or that right. means you didn't write what was meant to be written. Like mm-hmm. it is such a slippery slope. And I think the people that I admire the most as songwriters, worship leaders, artists, if you really dig into their careers, they are so generous. They're so willing to share. They're so willing to allow people into the process. They're willing to hand things off. You know, I I remember this very distinct moment a couple of years ago where there was like a couple of songs that I just really loved and, and always thought I would carry. And I ended up handing off and allowing, not allowing, but it just happened that other people carried the songs. And I remember having this moment with God and I just, I asked him, I said, God, 
will I ever birth a song or will I just always be a mother? Will mm. I always be someone who carries the song or will I actually birth the songs? Yeah. Meaning, will I always just be the songwriter that hands them off or will I ever actually be someone who gets to like be the person that presents them to the world? And I remember God didn't answer the question, mm. but he said this. He said, well, you've always been a faithful tither. So are you willing to now tithe what is actually your treasure? Hmm. And I had, I was like, what? And I quickly understood it. Money has never been my treasure. Yeah. Songs have. Yeah. Songs have been the treasure of my life. Wow. And I had to recognize in that moment that it was like giving God my tithes and offering every month. My, I mean, I've literally been doing it since I was 16. Yeah. I never even thought about it. But to tithe my treasure, like songs, hmm. suddenly that felt harder than anything I had ever anticipated. And I just remember God said, if you will treat your songs like first fruits, your basket will never be empty. Hmm. And so I just made a decision in that moment that I was like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if I'm mother or I birth these songs. If, I ever, if I'm always just the songwriter that hands them off, that's fine because I would rather God look at my life and say, you were so faithful to tithe your first roots. You were so faithful to live generously with the songs that I gave you. And because of that, your well will never run dry. And so So, I still approach it that way. Like there are songs right now that like, I love that I even thought about putting on my record, but I felt like God said, no, that's a first fruit song and not somewhere else. And I, I've had to wrestle through that, like, and, and I'm on the other side of it. And now it is so freeing. Yeah. It is so freeing yeah, yeah. to know that like that is so settled in my heart that I'm not going to be a songwriter or an artist that lives with a poverty spirit that says, this is my last best song. This is all I have. There's never going to be anything else. And quite frankly, so what if there isn't anything else? Like, mm. I, I'm so grateful that I got to do any of it. Like, yeah. What a blessing, what a treat, that, what, a, what a generous gift that God would have downloaded any songs yeah. to us and that we got to partake in that and offer that to, to others. So I feel like, um, like Peace Be Still, I wanna, I wanna get into the story behind that because yeah. if, if, if anybody knows, I mean, maybe the, the, the majority of the world knows Peace Be Still coming from you because it's your radio single right now. <laughs> but there's been a lot of life to this song up yeah. until the release of this. So yeah. obviously, like I first discovered as a worship pastor through the Belonging Co. And just when, yeah. Lor- when Lauren covered it or c- carried it on, on the yeah. record. So that's kind of maybe one of those moments where it's like you wrote yeah. the song, but then you didn't get to carry the song. So I'd love to hear, let's just back up. I'd love to even hear the story of how you, I know Andrew Holt was on the song. Yeah. Who, who else was in Mia Fields? Okay. Whom so, are like my dearest friends. Yeah, I love. I'm, I'm, and Andrew's I'm, our worship pastor and yeah. friend, and me is my friend, and we we co-write a lot. Actually, yeah. Andrew's one of the people I'm writing with this afternoon. Cool, awesome. Um, and I, I really, I just, I'm so fortunate that I get to write with the people that I'm really doing life with. So yeah. that does help, like, make the songwriting process so much easier yeah. because we're coming into it doing a lot of life together, and really, we also all go to church together, so right. we really know. We, we don't have to spell out what we're after. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of already in our DNA yep. with each other. Yeah. Um, but this Peace Be Still, we was the first, uh, it wasn't the first songwriting camp we had. It was the second songwriting camp. And we just happened that afternoon. We were just writing 
our church. Okay, yeah. so you got to know, like, we're not writing for a record. Right. We're not. I'm not writing to be an artist or send this song. This is four years ago. So yeah. we just show up. We we were scheduled to write the three of us that afternoon. So we show up, and Mia comes in the room, and she's like super upset because she had gone to Israel the year before and had stood at the Sea of Galilee mm. and had just been watching this one thing in her life, this one promise that she felt like she knew God was going to fulfill, but it just, it kept like not being fulfilled over and over and over. And she just like kind of drew a line in the sand and she picked up a rock and she wrote down the promise that she was believing God for. And she threw it into the sea of Galilee. Mm. And she, so fast forward six months, the promise has like come true. It's like happening. But this particular morning, she's like, I think it's going to fall apart again. And just the wave of disappointment that like came over her. So she comes in the room and we knew immediately like she was just having a hard day. And so she just began to unpack what was going on. And she was like, I'm just so over this wave of disappointment. And she was like, I have to write a song about peace today. Mm. She's like, because I don't have it in this situation. And I just refuse to bow down to the overwhelming feeling of disappointment that I feel right now. And in that particular season, like going back to kind of what we were talking about, like I was really very new to songwriting, like very new and very insecure about it. Mm. Like, because I'm going, I'm not really a songwriter. I don't know what I'm doing. I I was, this is the very beginning of that journey. So I wasn't yet aware of kind of what I could bring to the table and how God had wired me. So I'm kind of just fumbling around and, and dealing with this insecurity and allowing, like letting God really deal with it in my life and letting it surface. But because of it, there was a lot of fear, fear of I'm not going to be enough, fear that I'm going to be the weak link, fear that I'm going to miss out, whatever. Like it was something I was dealing with in that particular season. And so, and it was a familiar thing. It was new because it was about songwriting, but it was a familiar issue that had kind of resurfaced in my life over and over and over in different areas, much like waves. And so Mia and I just, by her being honest and vulnerable, I started being honest and vulnerable and just saying mm. like, I'm just really struggling with fear. I feel so insecure. I feel like I cannot get on top of this thing. And I know it's not God's plan for me to live with insecurity and fear about who he's created me to be, but it is suffocating in this season. And I'm fighting and I'm doing everything that I know to do, but dear Lord, it feels like I'm drowning some days. And so Mia just looked at me and she goes, well, then we're writing about peace. She's mm. like, and we're going to write to these waves that are literally drowning us. I mean, that is literally why the verses are exactly what yeah, they are. Yeah. Like we literally for us, we were like, we are directly speaking to the wave of disappointment and the wave of fear that seemed to come back over and over and over in our lives. The original title of the song was actually called Galilee because oh, of wow. throwing the rock into the Sea of Galilee. And that whole like, peace, peace, over there. It didn't say that. It was. It said, uh, oh wait, um, until everything I see is like Galilee, 
Oh, wow. Which, let me just say, talking about collaboration, when we ultimately turned it into our, our pastor, Henry Seeley, who is yeah. an incredible songwriter and yeah. worship leader himself. This is, like, I just want to say, this is proof that collaboration and being willing to allow people to critique your songs is so important because mm. he came back to us and he said, the song's great. Galilee's weird. You guys yeah. should change that. And so we did. We went back and Mia was like, oh, what if we just change it to peace? Because we say peace at the top. And then, and then I was like, oh yeah, you just say peace. Like change that last line. He speaks peace. Like we were able to fix it super fast. But imagine had we been super precious yes. and been like, no, like uh-huh. we're not changing it. We love Galilee. But our hearts were in such a position of, a, we trust the people that are in our lives that their heart is to make everything better. Yeah. And two, our desire would be that this song actually, like, is if we do it at our church, that it makes sense. Like, yeah. that people actually can wrap their hearts around mm-hmm. it and trusting that. And so that's just like a little nugget for all of you. No, that that's great. Fight input. Peace Be Still wouldn't be here if we had fought that input. Oh, I love it. That's why we do this. I love hearing the sto- <laughs> I love hearing the backstory behind because yeah, you're right. I mean, people could have gotten caught up just on nuts and bolts of the word Galilee and never yes. m- and missed the bigger picture of the and song. And it's a bigger picture. Yeah. The one thing I take away from this conversation today is, you know, uh, the word says that this is a race. You know, we run the race, and uh-huh. but but he never defines it as a sprint. Uh, this is a marathon. You know, yeah. and so yeah. I think I think in, in in our culture in the church we often think, especially in the arts, that this that we're, this is a sprint that's supposed to happen so quickly. But I'm quickly <laughs> learning from a guy who is 42 that yeah. I feel like I'm just now understanding Same. the very depths of my my walk with Jesus, and Same. it's coming out in the songs that I'm writing. So um, I I said to someone recently, I'm so great knowing what I know now. I'm so grateful that. God never allowed this to happen until this season. Yeah. In any other season, I would have cared more about being seen than I would have cared about Jesus being seen. Yeah, that's good. And it took a long road for me. Some mm-hmm. people are just smarter and more surrendered and more yeah. Christ-like than I am. And they wrestle that thing down yep. much sooner. It just took me a long time. But, you know, the thing is when you are doing whatever you're called to do, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what field or profession or whatever, whatever it is that God's written over your life. If you're doing it from a place of wanting to be seen, the fruit that you bear will only be fruit that you can eat of. Yeah. But when you step into a calling of God, wanting him to be seen, you will have fruit that feeds others. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the very definition of who we are called to be as disciples. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he fed and he clothed and he healed and he cared for the lost. And that's what he asked the disciples to do. I mean, he literally says, like, don't say you love me, but you don't care about the poor and you don't feed the hungry and you don't take care of the widow. And I think in our callings and our jobs and our professions and the way that we live our lives meant to feed others mm-hmm. the gospel of yeah. Jesus. And I Absolutely. think it took me a long time to get here, but I hope that now what I offer and the fruit that I offer through the songs and the leading of worship and podcasts and, and all yeah. those different things, that it's fruit that others can eat of, that it always, that the taste of it is always the goodness of God. Absolutely. And it's always the promises yeah. of God that yeah. they actually can feed off of and it will actually like, it will fill them their souls and it will give them living water. Yeah. Hope you're a gem. Thank you for this uh, conversation today. Chris, this is so fun. 
I yeah. love actually getting to like talk about the <laughs> like the real nuts and bolts of yes. being worship leaders and songwriters because yeah. I don't know that's like that's like what really like I live for and my heart beats for. Well, you can tell, and I love that about you. Get to do that soon, but we will. But for those who are listening, I want you guys to go check out "Peace Be Still," the new record from Hope, and uh, some amazing songs for the church, and just amazing songs that just you can be refreshed in your spirit with. And I love that about the record. So, uh, Hope, thank you for your taking time out amongst your Thanks crazy schedule, me. and uh, cannot wait for the world to uh, be impacted by what you're doing in your ministry. Aww, so, thanks. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. You too. Wow. I mean. We could have talked for hours upon hours and never run out of stuff to talk about. And so I'm very grateful we had the time today with Hope. I hope you had some great things to take away from this. I hope you go back and listen to it as I always encourage you to and kind of highlight some of those things that you need to grow in as a songwriter, maybe grow in as a worship pastor. But nonetheless, I pray you feel encouraged and inspired today as you go about your journey to be a songwriter for your church. Thanks again to Hope and her team for setting this up. I loved having this conversation and I'm sure we'll have some more in the future. Again, head over to mysongcapture.com. Check out the demo packages that we have to offer. Until next time, hope you have a fantastic week. Enjoy the fall season and we'll talk to you soon.